1: Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, February 20th, 2019, live from the E-Tail West Trade Show here in sunny Palm Desert. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and unfortunately, due to travel issues, Scott didn't make it to the show, so you get twice the Jason for half the usual cost. Um, but to make up for that, we have a great guest. Listeners of the show will know that one of the topics we spend a lot of time talking about is last mile delivery. So we're particularly excited to have on the show Chelsea Lee, co-founder and CEO of Shipsy, a company that helps retailers solve that exact challenge. Uh, Chelsea, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
1: Uh, So, Chelsea, uh, as a longtime listener of the show, you'll know we always like to get things started by uh, having the listener get a little bit of background about how you you came to your role. So can you tell us a little bit about your background?
0: Absolutely. I am a proud Minnesota native. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing with five uncles, which is probably not as common as most founders. Uh, Spent some time in Europe, New York, now reside in L.A., and spent a lot of time in corporate retail and then working in technology and in technology consulting. Anything EDI, ERP, and BI point-of-sale analytics was, uh, was my passion for a long time. And then um, I think that it all started, though. Actually, my grandfather's gun shop, supply and demand. And uh, the fact that he could negotiate anything he wanted during gun season was, was also really entertaining for me.
1: That's awesome. I'm a big family of, uh, or a big fan of, uh, of family retail businesses. I come from a retail family as well. Um, I'm sad for Scott that he missed you because EDI, EDRP, and, and uh, POS are some of his favorite acronyms. Ah. Um, and uh, as uh, listeners will know, I sort of think of Minnesota as the retail capital of the U.S., having yes. spent a lot of time at Target and Best Buy. Um, a, lot of, a lot of great retail and a lot of uh, great retail people come from that region, uh, so let's dig into Shipsy a little bit. Can you, uh, first tell us how you came up with the idea?
0: So it originated because I was getting really frustrated, uh, that any brand that I was working with from Bob's bait shop and Nike, everything in between, they always have this big, big, dark cloud of Amazon. Uh, so I've heard of them. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. What, once or twice, maybe, um, maybe not in New York recently, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really stemmed from this frustration. So I wanted to figure out how I could solve for it. So I considered working for a private equity firm. So I called my uh, friend and, and a mentor of mine, Ben, who is now my co-founder, and said, what do you think? You think I would like it? And he's a serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and said, yeah, I think you'd like it fine, but I think you should look at this side project I'm working on. It's it's called Shipsy. And I said, oh, It sounds like logistics. I'm not into that. You don't want me. And uh, a solution that was originally made for traditional logistics, I looked at it and said, Ben, what are you doing? This is uh, for on-demand and e-com. So we flipped it inside out and uh, upside down, and that's Shipsy today.
1: Very cool. Um, And and so uh, give us, like, what is the bullet? Like, how does Shipsy work?
0: Yeah. uh, So when I was speaking with Ben originally... And we started toying around with this idea of on-demand and e-com. I called every friend and old client in my retail network and, and said, if you could deliver within a couple of hours without changing any of your existing business systems and not pay for shipping, is that something that you would find value in? Would you invest in something like that? Would that fall in line with your priorities this year? And it was really hard to find someone who said no.
1: It's always a good problem for incubating, <laughs> a, a good thing to happen when you're incubating a new idea. Yeah. Um, and so in my mind, a big part of the value add, then, is you're sort of unlocking all this inventory that a retailer had in an individual store that can only serve visitors of that store, and essentially turning that inventory into e-commerce inventory that can exactly. be delivered to anyone yeah. on the web.
0: So we integrate an additional shipping option or add an additional option at checkout in any existing e-com website. And then we aggregate multiple last mile delivery networks on the back end so that the consumer is completely dazzled and gets the best price for it. And then we also utilize the existing infrastructure, as you mentioned, of stores, warehouses, distribution centers to basically open up an instant shipping option in in whatever city those things are in.
1: Great. And so I'm going to uh, dive into the details in just a second, but before I do, I mentioned where Etel West, you were just on a uh, a panel that Etel mm-hmm. West calls a Tech Tank and it was kind yeah. of like a uh, uh you each got to pitch your businesses and the audience voted on the the business they would most likely want to adopt um and uh, uh how did you do?
0: Well, it was an amazing. Thank you for all of my voters. I uh, swept it, I would say. Um, so the the question or the, what they were judging on, I believe it was something like, which of these companies would you invest in within the next 12 to 24 months or seriously implement within your business? Uh, and I had over half of the votes on the uh, entire room out of the, the panel. So it's definitely top of mind. As you know, e-comm and last mile are certainly a hot topic.
1: For sure, for sure. So, congratulations on that. Thank we're with, you. Uh, uh, the inaugural Tech Tank yes, winner. Yes, thank very, you, thank it's you. Very exciting. Um, I
0: planned that so that I we could finish that before coming on here.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't want to <laughs> spoil it, but like I would have only invited you on the show because I knew for a fact that you were going to win. Yes. But,
0: yeah. Where's my tiara? Do I get a tiara, a crown, or a? a... Some kind of trucker hat, maybe?
1: So, you know, it said I was going to bring a tiara, and uh, some of your people said that you just ordinarily wear a tiara. Yeah. And so know? it seemed like it would be redundant. I Depends
0: think. on the day. Multiple hats, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that is the, the job of a founder. Rarely yeah. is one of those hats a tiara, but yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so let's dive into it a little bit. Uh, so you're solving last mile. Um, I think, like, you know, if I just heard that, I would imagine... You either are hiring a bunch of people to deliver packages, or maybe your uh, on-demand system where you're using like gig workers to deliver mm-hmm. packages. Uh, is that what you're doing?
0: No. So we have the beauty of learning from a lot of other mistakes that Last Mile Networks, who are very successful now, have already made. So because they figured out a lot of the heavy lifting, I think for us in the beginning, we partner with Last Mile Delivery Network. So a big piece of it is. We don't own the cars, the warehouses, the merchandise, nor employ kind of anyone within that. Uh, We just, you know, basically are the master aggregator, wrangler, coordinator. And uh, a really critical piece in that is that we set up different business rules or parameters to make the option appear or not appear. So we don't touch the traditional logistics. But Let's say a driver isn't available or the merchandise isn't available. We build all of these profile and business rules or what we call a PBR uh, behind the scenes so that the consumer sees the option and we can ensure that they get what they need.
1: Got you. I, I, you have to be careful because at a lot of hunting stores, PBR <laughs> means something totally different. Yes. yes. Um, so so let me just make sure I have this right. So I'm, I'm a huntingdog.com. I have a website mm-hmm. uh, and I ship stuff out of my warehouse uh, via UPS or the mail, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I have have a store that my loyal customers come in and shop, Uh, you add the option to my website to say, deliver same day. Um, And then the customer picks that. I'm going to
0: make a slight correction on that. It's uh, generally within an hour or two hours at most.
1: Even better. Okay, so deliver in an hour. Uh, So I'm about to go on my hunting trip, and uh, you've got that new training collar I need for my hunting dog. Yes. Uh, So I click on that one-hour delivery. Um, and then your software is deciding who the best last mile fulfillment co- uh, mm-hmm. partner is. And you're going to send that order to that fulfillment partner. Mm-hmm. They're going to fulfill that order. You're going to collect all the data about about delivery and all that stuff mm-hmm. and feed that back into the retailer's exactly.
0: system. And that's a big piece of it that often, uh, you know, it's, it's cool that we can ship something within an hour from point A to point B. But the real value that I see especially in a couple years, is having that predictive analytics on the on-demand market and to be able to feed that back to our retail partners so that they can, in turn, feed that into the rest of their supply chain.
1: Perfect. So you're sort of a middleware between the Mm -hmm. the last mile companies and the retailer. And are there any... Particular last mile companies that you tend to partner with or that listeners would be familiar with?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, it ranges. Some of them are small courier services. Some of them are the postmates of the world. And it's, it's just been amazing to see us fueling every party involved with, with more revenue. Um, we will be making a big announcement in the upcoming months about another last mile partner, a major one as well. Today we've accessed to over 500 cities across the U.S. And by the end of the year, we anticipate having over a million drivers uh, through those driver networks to be available for ship deliveries.
1: That's awesome. So so pretty much a, a national reach at this point. Um, mm-hmm. the, are there any particular categories that you're finding are are lending themselves to one-hour delivery? Like what kind of retailer is best suited for the service?
0: <laughs> it's, it's a good question. I wish the data skewed one way or the other. It would help our sales team know what to go after a little bit more. Um, but it's really diverse. I would say the younger women demographic um, works a little bit, is very slightly skewed. Uh, some of the luxury is skewed. But then there's also things like a phone charger and birthday candles, which has been really interesting to see. There's not a clearly defined category or vertical Um, I should, I'm not surprised anymore by our new customers because our first 10 customers were a men's clothing, women's clothing, footwear, apparel, accessories, a sex toy company. I mean, everything. Uh, so, uh, to answer your question, no, we haven't seen a specific trend or vertical, yet.
1: Awesome. I feel like you can't go wrong with the vices. Yeah. I feel like everyone, yeah. you know, wants the vices delivered more quickly if
0: Absolutely.
1: possible. Absolutely. Um, so chocolate and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, alcohol might be good, although there's some complexities in the yeah. alcohol one. Uh, so uh, one of the topic categories we talk a lot in last mile delivery lately is around grocery. Are you doing anything in grocery or is that something you're you're thinking about? Mm-hmm.
0: So we have a little bit in grocery, some more specialty gift food items, uh, such as edible, which is a, a delicious edible cookie dough, if you haven't tried it. Um, and Speaking we. Speaking of vices, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we are really focused on retail. We're actually really making it a point to stick away from grocery. But if you look at some of the trends that's happening in grocery right now, it is, it's amazing. I think something like, um, Business Insider just recently published a report on 35% growth in grocery and that consumers wanted, um, you know, 69% of them wanted home delivery versus 31 for curbside and pickup. So I see those trends, and retail is is trying to catch up, but we need to go fast.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. Um uh, I should have asked you a question earlier, but uh, the, 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 this will open up to my next set of questions. Um, so you're you're helping collect that order and' you're, mm-hmm. you're getting that last mile person to show up in the store. In, in your model, is the, the retailer most uh, responsible for picking the order in the store and having it ready for the the delivery person or is the delivery person like going into the store and picking stuff off the shelf?
0: Uh, the delivery person is not picking things off of the shelf. The retailer either picks it up or there's a dedicated place for Shipsy deliveries, just like there would be for a seven to ten day or two to sure. four day or whatever it might be in the warehouse. And then with some of our larger brands, we have a Shipsy person that we have hired to say, we will get you guys set up if it's if the demand is so high or maybe in the first couple months we'll send someone from the Shipsy team to go work with your team in the store or warehouse to get them familiar. And then we also have a Customer service layer that is absolutely critical, so that we can be one point of contact for the consumer, for the retailer, for the warehouse, for the driver, so that um, the, the retailer doesn't have to deal with some of those things, and the consumer gets what they need and feels confident about it. Someone last week actually referred to us as uh, the Wizard of Oz because they didn't even know it was a retail customer of ours, and. So many things that we do, the retailer doesn't know about it. So every 10 seconds, we're checking an order to make sure that everything is okay. And when it's not, we catch it 99.5% of the time before the retailer or the consumer even know.
1: Got it. And in that metaphor, they didn't want to even know what's behind the curtain. They just wanted to see the magic. Um, So uh, the whole curbside versus delivery thing, Like I, I feel like there's... In the abstract, there's a consumer preference. Um, but I, I feel like price also comes into play in that. So like presumably, the more you have to charge for home delivery, mm-hmm. the more likely a customer is to opt for the convenience of curbside pickup versus mm-hmm. delivery. So I, I, I would assume if you can get the price low enough, mm-hmm. um, or at least the price as perceived by the consumer, mm-hmm. then delivery, it heavily skews towards delivery. But in places where the unit economics don't work for that, like it might for a rural grocery store, um, then curbside becomes more popular.
0: Absolutely. There's actually two points for our business and why that matters. One is because we're aggregating multiple last mile networks and courier services. We've seen really drastic scenarios where maybe one specific last mile network says that it's going to be $51. And then another one picks it up for maybe $6. It's a really, really vast Differences in that. So one piece of it is the aggregation and the, our ability to do that. The second is that the retailer is no longer responsible to pay twelve bucks to drop it off to FedEx or USPS because the consumer sees exactly how much it is. So we have a couple of retailers right now that we're playing with the pricing, and they say, "Well, I already have twelve dollars allocated in my P and L for FedEx. What if I throw ten to the consumer?" Well, in many cases, it ends up to be a dollar for the consumer to get it now. And obviously, their e-com sales skyrocket, and they're doing silly Facebook videos. and um, So that's been really, really exciting. And we're finding out a lot about really what the consumer is willing to pay for. But especially when the brand allocates a couple bucks towards it, a lot of times it's a dollar, $4, $5, you know, 10 bucks, um, which has been really exciting to see.
1: Yeah, it... You know, pricing, consumer pricing is one of the interesting things here, be, uh, because uh, we have sort of overwhelming uh, data that, in general, consumers don't like paying for shipping, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, the, the dirty little secret is something like sixty-eight percent of all e-commerce mm-hmm. is sold with free shipping, like that. Mm-hmm. And that free shipping is, of course, never free to the retailer. Right. Retailers are being forced to pass uh, to to absorb those costs rather than pass them on. Right. So then, when you go to a, a I'll call it a premium delivery service that's doing one hour, um, It like it, it's interesting. Like Are consumers more willing to pay um, for shipping for that one hour premium and they perceive that that's, mm-hmm. that's okay? Or do they have sort of the same attitude that they do with regular shipping that mm-hmm. they, they feel like they shouldn't have to pay for it?
0: I cannot wait until we have more data behind it. I will say we have a brand right now that 68% of their consumers last month picked the Shipsy option when it was available to them, which is... Phenomenal, right? I was thinking, wow, if we have ten percent, twenty percent growth, that's amazing, you know, who knows what we'll find. But just to have one that sixty eight percent of their consumers are picking the shipsy option. And as a founder, it is so exciting to have this um I wanna call it a team camaraderie with a lot of our retail clients because I'll get a call that says, Chelsea, we just broke a record this week. And I say, great, so did we. <laughs> um, because we've just seen a consistent growth. Every single retailer has had a uh, higher shopping cart, um, more dollars in the every in their shopping cart collectively, and also more e comm orders. So it's just so exciting to see that that growth with those brands.
1: That that's awesome. I, I do feel like you're benefiting from the sort of rapidly changing consumer expectations yeah. as well. Yes. Um, I, I had a number of clients that sort of piloted, not even one hour delivery, but piloted same day delivery a number of years ago before, um, I would argue before, like in particular, Amazon had yeah. had like set that expectation. And back then there was this really interesting learning. Um, the same day delivery was considerably more expensive than the other mm-hmm. delivery options um, And it wasn't selected by very many consumers back then. Again, they didn't have the perception that that Mm -hmm. that was the the expected time frame. Mm -hmm. And so it looked like this premium option. But even back then, what it did, when you added this really expensive same-day option, uh, it dramatically increased the number of consumers that would select the two-day shipping option versus the slow shipping option. So it was sort of a price anchor that made the... The middle shipping option seemed more appealing, Uh and you know, fast forward customer expectations. Yeah, Yeah, that that was super interesting back then. So people were were getting benefit from it, even though there wasn't really high consumer adoption. Mm -hmm. And now you fast forward five years, and it seems like that's completely changed. And per your experience, when you throw that Mm -hmm. get in an hour button on, it sounds like uh, at least in some cases, the majority of customers are Mm -hmm. now picking that option. So that's. Uh, it's that 's a key lesson I think, in this whole industry is uh you can 't just learn something once and assume that 's how it's <laughs> it 's going to work like the customer yeah. expectations are changing really quickly, and what wasn 't a requirement for your business last year may yeah. well become a requirement this and year. and it 's
0: interesting to see the price dynamics i 'm part of a women 's group, and we were working with some younger women who were in a uh, i can 't quite recall the the name of their group, but they were you know middle school elementary school women who we were going to to work with for a day and someone had raised their hand after I was explaining Shipsy and I I had an example where the Shipsy option was less expensive than the overnight option and so I think the girl must have been seven or eight and she stood up and said well why would anyone pick the more expensive overnight option if I can get it in an hour for less less money and uh, it was just that stuck out to me because you know I think my response was something like that is a really good question. I don't know why would someone pick the more expensive longer option? Um, but examples like that and, and when children maybe point that out, it's fun to see that.
1: Yeah, it's always a good sign when your business model can survive. Are you smarter than a fourth grade? Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, so it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show if we didn't mention Amazon. And so uh-huh. in in uh, Scott's absence, I'm going to try to channel my, my inner, okay. inner Amazon. It. <laughs> um, it does feel like... This is a major area of emphasis for Amazon, and they're they're building out this flex network mm-hmm. of their own drivers. They're buying tens of thousands of their own delivery trucks, mm-hmm. and uh, in their most recent earnings statement, they did an interesting thing. Um, you know, they they list the uh, the competitors that they uh, mm-hmm. that you should be worried about, and they added a new phrase to their competitor list: shipping and logistics companies, ah. <laughs> uh, ah. which which I, I find very interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, the fact that they're leaning so much into this, is that a competitive threat? Is that an opportunity? How, how do you feel about about Amazon uh, versus Shipsy? Mm-hmm.
0: I actually think that it works to our benefit because I don't know Jeff Bezos personally, but I would say that he... Uh, He'll probably
1: call you after he hears yeah, you on probably, the show.
0: Yes, absolutely. I would say that uh, it would be shocking if Amazon didn't take a big brother approach to things. And I love the fact that we humbly sit in the background and support our retailers and that they are the hero. They get the credit at the end of the day. So I actually have seen the um, the expectation that Amazon has set on consumer expectations work to our benefit because any other retailer needs to figure out how to keep up. Um, and that's when hopefully I get a call from them and, and they work with Shipsy.
1: Yeah, I would, I, I would certainly agree. It seems like Amazon has uh, like super uh, access to super inexpensive capital and lots of it. So they build out this big infrastructure and that raises the expectations mm-hmm. for all those consumers. And so every other retailer then needs... Mm -hmm. usually to figure out a more cost-effective way (laughs) to deliver that same capability that Amazon invested in. Uh, So you could certainly see that dynamic playing out in your space. Um, Are there any sort of case studies or initial clients that you can tell us about?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're uh, working on a release that's going out within the next couple of weeks, so a few of them will be mentioned there. But um, Atlanta Vinyl is a really hot one for us right now, Edible, who I mentioned. Um, There's... It's really every shape and size and small and large, and we cater to kind of their volume that they're doing. Uh, we also have a partnership with Oracle as part of a women founders program, so that will you know, essentially give us access and uh, be able to cater to any any retailer that is currently running on that. Um, but yeah, it has been so fun. Like I said, one of the best parts about being a CEO is when we get calls or I get a call, and I think it might be a customer service issue or or maybe something bad um, when someone on my team says they really want to talk to you right now, right now, right now, and they say, "We broke another record! Thank you!" Like it's just so so much fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. In general, it's it's usually not a good thing when the retailer calls and demands to speak with you. So it's yeah, fun when it, right. it's it's fun when it's right. happy news. Create uh,
0: the edit is another interesting one, uh, and they're kind of in this younger women demographic. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been really exciting to see, to see the progress.
1: Uh, very cool. You, you mentioned the partnership with Oracle. Are there any particular software platforms that retailers run that you like are particularly well, like that you have pre existing integrations with mm-hmm. or you're particularly well suited for? So
0: the way that we work is we would partner with, or we do partner with the, demand wares, um, the NetSuite or the, I'll call them NetSuite forever because of my, um, sure. old background, but. Shopify. So we do a pre-built integration. If we have that pre-built integration, it can be a couple of minutes until someone's up and running and live with Shipsy, or it can be a couple hours. Of course, we do some test orders that we initiate or we initiate with them. And if it's one that we're not currently connected to, our average time is anywhere from six to 12 months to finish that pre-built integration. So we're not uh, not necessarily limited. It's just some of them are in a matter of minutes, and some might be you know take a, little a little month time. or two months. Yeah, Got absolutely. Okay.
1: Gotcha. But that's a I mean it's a big chunk of the market in Shopify alone. Uh, you mentioned NetSuite, which is uh, of course now owned by Oracle. Which that's tough yes. to get used to. And then even tougher, our friends at Salesforce want us to start calling Demandware, Demandware. Uh, <laughs> Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Commerce but, yeah.
0: Cloud. I will never in Suite uh, yeah. Cloud. It's uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: The consolidation and name changes are rough. Uh, I, I do want to dive into what like are often perceived as some of the challenges mm-hmm. with this model. Um, so, you know, one of the the challenges with using those on-demand delivery services are that the the drivers don't work for the retailer, mm-hmm. right? And so the retailer can't make the driver deliver something. Like mm-hmm. the retailer can merely offer a deliver d- a delivery, and the driver can decide to accept it or not. Mm-hmm the majority of the time that works great and it's a great career for, you know, this gig economy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there is this challenge with peak demands, yes. right? So everybody wants to deliver on Valentine's Day and everyone wants to deliver the day before yeah. Christmas. Um, and uh, a lot of those gig economy guys are working for multiple services and they, they, they you know, might be making more money doing Uber deliveries sure. uh, than Postmate deliveries on those peak days. Mm-hmm. And so well, I think one of the perceived challenges with on-demand delivery drivers is, shoot, on the day I most need to promise the consumer I'll absolutely get the package to them, it's the day that's most risky that the gig economy driver is actually going to deliver that package yes. for me. Is yes. that Do I have that right, and how do we solve that problem?
0: Yes, absolutely. So there are so many things that go into working with multiple last-mile networks. One is the size, weight, and dimensions of whatever we're sending. So just because someone has a specific type of car... Maybe that's why we're aligning them. And we also have very strict criteria on the last mile networks that we work with because we want to always dazzle the consumer expectations. So maybe, uh, it's a certain peak time that we don't even pull from that last mile network. Maybe it is specific merchandise or not during food hours if it's a food related one. So we have a last mile network that has, uh, just over 90% accuracy. When they're on their own, but we build all of these uh, blocks, if you will, blockers, so that they have to deliver within that. Uh, And we've gotten ones that are on 90% on their own up to a 98.5% delivery uh, accuracy because we build in a lot of those blocks and parameters.
1: Uh, That totally makes sense. And I I also sort of imagine, because you work with multiple um, delivery networks... Mm -hmm. You have the ability to sort of spread that risk around more than someone that's working with a single delivery network. And
0: automatically fill someone else in, and yes, absolutely.
1: Yep. Uh, So then the other thing that's uh, scary is there's a lot of points of integration where data is flowing through the system, (laughs) right? So you've got, like, e-commerce is flowing through this, like, super antiquated Uh point-of-sale system that's keeping the inventory, and you have to get data from those systems, Mm -hmm. and then you have to send data to this wide variety of different Mm -hmm. delivery networks and get, it sounds like, a lot of real-time data back from them about the status of those deliveries and those Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Uh, I feel like we've all been at a a restaurant that's, like, struggling to do all (laughs) their their various food deliveries, and Uh you see the printer jammed up and, like... Uh, everything goes off the rails. Yes. Like there's there's some fear that there's a lot of fragile points of integration in this, this complex network. There's a lot.
0: Network. There is a lot. Uh, and something that was really critical and important to us when building the business is it's not our reputation that is at stake. It is the retailer with their consumer, which is why it makes all of these complicated systems even more important that we don't screw it up because it's not our reputation at risk. It's really the retailers, which is why we have that customer service and the real-time tracking. Uh, but something else that, that an investor pointed out to me actually it was probably almost two years ago. And we had been working with a couple hundred alpha and beta customers at the time. And he said, this is just too messy and complicated. You can't do this. And if anyone who personally or maybe professionally knows me... That's um, the wrong
1: thing to say, or the right thing to say.
0: Yes, yes, it lit another fire under my ass of, oh, you don't think so? Great, watch me. And uh, I delivered something to him within 21 minutes and had him initiate the order. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it is complicated, uh, but you know we have an amazing tech team, and I thank my CTO all day long that... They finished things before I even really know they were a problem so thank you Ben um, and it's just been amazing to see it come alive
1: very cool uh, one thing we I, I failed to bring up earlier uh, the economic model for your retail partners mm-hmm. do they pay you a, a fee per delivery is there some like is it a rev share like what's the I'm not looking for the actual price, but like sure. what's the basic model that a retailer buys into? Yeah,
0: the basic model is the based on four different tiers. So it's based on the size or the volume of orders that the retailer is doing so that we can cater to the Bob bait shops of the world and also the Nikes. So it's a monthly subscription. Um, and then a small portion of the delivery fee. Uh, but keep in mind, the retailer isn't paying for shipping. Uh, so we have seen that actually we should be charging about 10 times more than we are, but we really like retailers, and we're onboarding as many as we we can right now, so we're just going to keep rolling with it. It's fun to, to see them breaking records and us breaking records as well.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's some hidden costs that are saved in last mile delivery that people sometimes forget about, mm-hmm. the packing costs yes. uh, to make something UPSable can often yes. be a lot higher than the poly bag that you might uh, absolutely deliver in. And so there are, there are some places to take costs out of the system when you do this kind of delivery. Yes,
0: and we're working on some cool case studies right now with some of that because people that have to pay a lot for the packaging, like if it's dry ice or if it's fragile or things like this, we uh, one of our our tiers of retailers. We actually offer a uh, like a matte black bag, so that the driver picks it up in sort of a sexy matte black bag or a box, because the retailer doesn't have to uh, package it in some kind of fragile packaging. And yeah, they're also saving money on the packaging and the materials as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about the the price that it's offered to the consumer at, and it sounds like. Retailers are testing different price points. Mm-hmm. Are there any best practices that have emerged so far? Like, do you, like what? Where do you recommend retailers start in terms of pricing uh, one-hour delivery?
0: Yeah. Uh, so we either we have a couple different options. Option one is just to display what the cons- exactly what that price is. We are completely transparent about that cost um, and filter it through directly from the last mile network. We don't want to mark that up or down because we want it to be. Um, as low well we want it to be as low for the consumer as possible so that they pick it more the second option is if the retailer subsidizes a portion of that we've seen drastic success even if they only put three four four bucks towards whatever that might be and it's easy if you already have something like that built in your p&l you know you already have a line item for that just throw that um into the shipping cost so to answer your question, no, we haven't seen any crazy, you know, they always pick it. If it's a dollar, that's easy to say. Or I, I try not to use always and never, but it, uh, very, 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 very often when it's a dollar or I would say under five is uh, kind of a no-brainer for consumers. Uh, but it'll be interesting when you ask me that question in a year. Um, looking forward to, to finding out more about that.
1: Well, we will take you up on that offer to come back in a year and share some of that data, Um, and that's going to be a good place to leave it because it's happened again. We've used up all our allotted time. As always, if listeners have a burning question for Chelsea, uh, feel free to jump on Facebook, and we'll continue the conversation there. Um, If you enjoyed uh, this show, we sure would appreciate that five-star review on iTunes. Uh, Chelsea, if listeners want to learn more about Chipsy... Uh, where should they uh, find you guys?
0: Yeah, I would say probably the first guess is uh, hello at com. Otherwise, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn.
1: Cool. So we will put those links in the show notes. Uh, uh, for folks that are driving, please don't stop and write that down. <laughs> but, it, but it is uh, ship. S I
0: S H I P S I. Yeah, on yes. a
1: podcast you might be imagining that you're ship and then the letter C so <laughs> yes. want, wanted to highlight that uh, Chelsea, really enjoyed uh, chatting with you thanks for being on the show
0: It was a pleasure, thank you so much
1: Until next time, happy commercing